0: Hello everybody and welcome back to We've Got Mail. I thought it was you've got mail. No. Because it's you and I. It's you and we you and I. We have mail. Our listeners mm. uh, sent mail. Yes. This is our response. But our response is not, in and of itself,
1: also mail. And I've I've made this complaint before. Why uh why the bad grammar on that phrase? You've got mail. You have got mail. It should be "you got mail," uh-huh. like you received it. You got mail, mm-hmm. or you have mail, like it's in in your hands now. No, no, no. It's a past you, participle. Of you, you have got mail is is a, a redundant phrase. It's not correct grammar. There's one extra word in there.
0: Well, I want you to march right on over to the AOL company. which yeah, I'm, sure I'm, is still I'm. I'm going to take. Thing.
1: I'm going to take those eighty thousand free hour CDs that they used to mail to my house. <laughs> They're going to build a shell around their corporate they headquarters. Sell it by the hour, didn't they? Like yeah, they did. did. Forgot about. that. I remember all the CDs. I forgot they were selling internet by the hour. Uh, my name is Whitney Seibold. Oh yeah, I am. I am old enough to remember AOL CDs. I'm a film critic for uh, IGN and a couple other venues here and there around the internet. Uh, I mostly review movies on Critically Acclaimed, and with me, as always, is my scintillating co-host. Yeah, I'm William
0: DeBiani. I'm a film critic for The Wrap and Bloody Disgusting, mm-hmm. and everyone calls me Bibs. The pen, the pentagruel to my gargantua. Sure. What? Ancient, fa-
1: medieval French literature. Okay, great. In. All
0: right, thank you. Uh, anyway, this is We've Got Mail. This uh, is the podcast with apparently terrible grammar, but we do answer your emails. Our listeners write in letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, with questions, critiques, concerns, uh, looking for recommendations, recommending stuff to us, whatever you want to talk about, we talk about it on the show, we try to answer as many letters as we possibly can, uh, and basically after a quick intro, the time is yours, Mm -hmm. so, um...
1: The time is yours. Let's just answer some emails. And uh, so we've been trying to play – we've been doing this podcast specifically to do a lot of catch-up on our mail. We get a lot of letters, and we try to answer as many as possible. Uh, So I'm going to be bouncing back and forth chronologically from a few months ago to more recently. But we have a lot of letters to get through, so – It's going to be a bit of a jumble. We're going to hear from a few letters referring to something that already happened, as well as some we got yesterday. Sure. Um, uh, This this one that I'm starting with is a little bit older. Okay. So uh, this one comes from Shad. Hello, Shad. Hi, Shad. Uh, Hi, Bibbs and Whitney. When you were discussing High Strung, you mentioned there weren't that many violin movies. You remember High Strung, right? The dance versus violin movie. I was the one who recommended it. High Strung
0: was the one, it was a movie that combined uh, virtuosic string instrument uh, performances with the dance movie genre, and they did a great sequel called High Strung Free Dance. I think I prefer the original, but they're both a delight, and if you, like us, are addicted to the Step Up movies, Mm -hmm. High
1: Strung is clearly the inheritor to the throne. It's, yeah, it's right, right up our alley. Okay. Um, I've always been shocked that they never turned The Devil Went Down to Georgia into a movie. There have been several songs turned into movies, and I always wondered, why not this one? Who would who would you cast in a movie version of The Devil Went Down to Georgia? <laughs> I cast Willem Dafoe as the devil, because of course... Mm. Uh, he's played the devil before, hasn't he? I, well, he's, played, hmm. he's played the devil. He's played the vampire at least... Once, maybe twice. Well, he got an Oscar nomination for playing a vampire in Shadow of the Vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, um, that's, that's, good, that's good casting. I'm not sure if he's played, he's played like straight up Satan before, though. I don't think
0: he has, but yeah,
1: it fits. Um, he, he he'd be good right. at it. Thanks for putting out great podcasts. They make my commute much easier. Uh, of course. We're, we're here, if, if for nothing else, to make commutes easier. Um, the Devil Went down to Georgia was turned into an animated short film. Was it? Um, in like the early 90s. It was a stop motion animated short, and it wasn't. The Charlie Daniels version, but it was the Primus version. Les Claypool recorded a version of The Devil Went Down to Georgia. It's pretty amazing. And it's really good stop motion animation. I got to see it at a Spike and Mike Sick and Twisted festival um, in, in Seattle, Washington, back in 1997, I think. <laughs> um, and, uh, and the entire audience was completely dumbstruck by this thing because all of the, the shorts at spike and Mike sick and twisted festival animation are all like bodily fluid centric and they're drug centric and they're sex centric. They're, they're not really slickly made professional (laughs) animations. They're just things like a lot of college kids just bang out in their dorm rooms. So when this thing came on, it actually had like professional lighting and real models and great animation. Everybody was totally silent and we became obsessed with this thing. Eventually I got a, a primus best of compilation. I got the video on it. Um, yeah, who would you get? Uh, my thing is this. Mm-hmm. There's never
0: been a movie version of The Devil Went Down to Georgia, but there almost has. If you've ever seen Walter Hill's Crossroads? Oh, I haven't seen Crossroads. Yeah, Ralph Macchio plays a uh, a young guitar player who sells his soul to the devil mm-hmm. for the power to play guitar. Really really awesome. And I I haven't seen either. I've never seen all of it or I haven't seen all of it in a really long time. Mm-hmm. He used to be on TV. But I believe, in memory serves, it concludes with Ralph Macchio in a guitar battle with
1: Steve Vai as uh, the devil's guitarist. No, okay. Oh, well, I mean, if, yeah. if the devil has a guitarist, it's probably Steve Vai. Oh, of course. But, like, that's awesome. And yeah. it's a people don't
0: talk about enough. I've been meaning to revisit it for a long-ass time. Mm. Um, so I don't remember if it's any good or not, but I do remember that Ralph Macchio was in a guitar battle with Steve Vai. Mm. And that is a pretty fucking cool thing to exist <laughs> even if it isn't great like yeah. so definitely check that out if you haven't mm-hmm. seen it. um who would i get to play the devil well
1: i i would who who can play the violin who can play or, that's or, like, want i guess to, i guess it'd be a fiddle but um yeah well regardless you want someone who can play it or or fake it yeah. um i you know who i get john doe from x I don't know who from that is. John Doe from the band X. You know the okay, band sure. X, right? Uh, he, he, was in, he was in Roadhouse. Oh, oh yeah,
0: Oh yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yes. Mm. I can see that.
1: I think you want someone young, though. I think you want... Selling
0: your soul to the devil is something you do when, like... It, and dramatically, obviously, mm-hmm. because this isn't actually a real thing. But I typically buy it when... There's something tragic going on, like you're selling your soul to save the life of someone you love, or when you're young and stupid and don't think you have a future, uh-huh. or when you're old and scared of dying and- You got nothing left to lose. Exactly. Yeah. So I think you get someone either quite young or quite old, and I would say you get, like, who's hmm. who's an interesting young actor? Uh, Alex hmm. or Nat Wolf? either of them they're both really good actors get them both
1: why not they both play the devil
0: why not well yeah there you go Mm. like one of them plays the kid and the other one plays the devil Mm. Um, because the devil would come to you with someone you trust and if you're an egomaniac who wants to sell your soul for cool music chops you probably
1: love yourself a lot and uh, as for Johnny L- little boy Johnny, who who outfiddles the devil, mm. needs somebody who's like a little bit more conniving. How about you get one wolf as each one? That's what I'm saying. Okay, that's right. You get
0: one wolf to mm. play the good guy and one wolf
1: to play the bad guy. There you go. There you go. Like I think
0: it'd be cool. That would be cool. Yeah, it's a good point though. Mm. It feels like that's a missed opportunity. i I've, I've actually thought mm. for a long time. You know, we're running out of like nostalgic movies and TV shows to turn into movies. When are we going to start turning classic music videos into movies? Uh huh. You know, like, uh, Aerosmith's Cryin'. That was always a mini-story of empowerment
1: anyway. Mm. Turn it into a movie. Why the fuck not? (laughs) Well, Cryin' came out at a time when music videos, like, had the same budgets as a lot of movies. Yeah, they were expensive. And and records were making more money than movies. Uh So... The book is kind of shut on that. They already made the movie. It's the crying music video. Yeah, Arguably, but it's four argue, minutes long. You but can argue, it's, the,
0: it's a movie. I would argue that that's the short story that we could then turn into a feature film. Okay. And I'm not saying that's even the best example, mm. but it's one example that I think, I think you people can picture yeah, okay. in their heads of how turning some famous music videos in, like, and, like, some music videos are abstract. You can't yeah. really turn Sledgehammer into a music video. Or in, some into are, a feature film. Or so, sorry, into a feature film. Mm-hmm. And some are simplistic. Like, mm-hmm. Everybody Hurts is a great music video. I don't see how you turn that into a movie. <laughs> but some of them you could. Mm-hmm. Some of them, like, you know, the, the works of, like, some of the more interesting auteur music video directors, mm-hmm. like Mark Romanek or Spike Jones. Mm-hmm. some of those could mm-hmm. easily be turned into uh, oh. uh, Sabotage. Oh, there you go! Sabotage the movie. I would pay to see that. It's like the well, it's, it's made in they, that style. They fashioned that, it after yeah. like a, a like a seventies cop drama. Yeah, but you, what you do is that you pump it full of like
1: Beastie Boys songs. Oh, I'd be there in a second, right? Doesn't that yeah. sound cool?
0: A Seventies pulp cop drama told with that aesthetic, with someone with with talent. Mm. You know, not just Spike Jones wants to do it. Awesome, and you just make it like a sort of a musical. With what, a what, lot of Beastie Boys would you, jams would, all would you throughout.
1: Play Beastie Boys jams on the soundtrack, or would you get actors to rap Beastie Boys? I think play yeah. on the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, and then maybe like there's like a, a dive bar where a lot of it like a torchies and the Beastie Boys are there actually like performing well, some the, songs, the, the like
1: remaining Beastie Boys. But of course, but, yeah. but
0: like you know that could be a thing.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, anyway, I think that would make I think that movie sells itself. How is Sabotage not a movie? Let's make Sabotage <laughs> a movie. It'd be a great movie. Mm-hmm.
1: The sequel will be called Listen All Y'all, It's a Sabotage. Yeah. Mm. No, listen All Y'all is the uh, tagline. Oh, okay. Sabotage. Listen All Y'all. <laughs> be awesome. I can't stand it. I know you planned it. <laughs> uh, this one comes from Toral. Hello, Torolf. Hi, Torolf. Um, uh, hello, Bibbs and Rockmeister McCool. <clears throat> I'm glad that's taking you. I'll, I'll, <laughs> some people are calling me Rockmeister McCool. You have a nickname uh, now. now. I guess I have a nick- nickname now. Um, I recently watched Booksmart. And in a sneak preview, uh, I am in Germany, and Germany is a little late sometimes and really liked it. I talked about it with a friend and mentioned one of you guys, sorry, I can't remember who, uh, hoped that it would be the teen movie of this generation of teens. I believe it was so, Whitney. You well, said that. I, I, had, I was the only one who had reviewed it. You only reviewed it last week. So. Yeah,
0: I finally got around to it the last couple of weeks and reviewed it on the Critically um, Acclaimed. Yeah.
1: So we were wondering, what is the movie of our generation? We were born in 1986 and 1987. We both thought about American Pie or Superbad, but we both felt that we were too young for the first and too old for the second. Uh, can you think of any teen movies we might have missed between those two movies? As always, keep up the good work. Live long and prosper, Torolf. Um, when was Superbad? I feel like it's not a huge was, gap. It was like Well...
0: American, no, uh, American Pie, Pie was, 99, was 99. And Superbad was 2007. So yeah, it's okay. a little... About a decade. It's so, a little, there there was, was a
1: whole it? wave of teen movies there in the late 90s that kind of crashed after a while. Mm-hmm. And um, you were born in the mid-80s. That's when I was watching things like Stand By Me. But that's when those movies came out. Those wouldn't be your movies. Like, well, I mean, look. Are you too young for Empire Records or Can't Hardly Wait? Those are both before. Those
0: are both the 90s. The
1: 2000s, the 2000s was actually like a pretty good decade
0: for teen stories, specifically about uh, young women. Like, that Mm. was the era in which we had Mean Girls. Oh, there you go. Uh, we had yeah. Bring It On. We had the Sisterhood of the Traveling
1: Pants, which I've actually never seen. I heard yeah. it's um, really good. Juno, when, Ghost World. When was uh, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist? Oh, that's a good. Or, pick. or Perks of Being a Wallflower because those are those are Perks of Being a Wallflower was this decade. That's way too late. Nick oh, and Nora's okay. Infinite Playlist
0: was two thousand and eight. So okay. technically, that's after Superbad. Oh, okay, so we can't pick. Uh, we can't pick that.
1: Um, I'm trying to think. What else was was notable in that uh, time period? Mm-hmm. Um, I can only think. Yeah, you mentioned Mean Girls. Now I can only think of like Lindsay Lohan movies, like Confessions of Teenage Drama Queen, and
0: mm, well, that was uh, no, that was Lindsay Lohan. That was, that was Lindsay. Oh, Lohan, you know. Yeah. Oh, you know what? Oh, mm-hmm. uh, if you're not going for any of the ones we've already suggested, mm-hmm. you know what it probably was? Uh. Napoleon Dynamite. It was huge.
1: It was dude. it was huge, but that's more of like a cult movie. That's not like the well, the voice of a generation. Oh, I he's he's not. kind of a weirdo outsider. He didn't speak for anybody. They kind of made that character <laughs> I think, up. I think that was the whole
0: idea though, is that
1: mm-hmm. we all feel like the
0: outsider, don't we? It's kind I mean, of an obvious th- but sentiment, th- but a lot that's of teen, a, that's
1: the, the sentiment of every teen movie. A lot that's of not teen movies have
0: obvious sentiments. I, I
1: think it's not a complicated time. I think Napoleon Dynamite is, is an aesthetic monster. Like it didn't like speak deeply to anybody's desires. It just had sort mm. of weird, fun characters. Eh. I, I, I reviewed it at the time I didn't think it was very good When I first saw it and, and I predicted it would not get a cult That it was clearly aiming for And boy howdy was I wrong <laughs> well, Buying vote for Pedro" shirts For the next ten was, years Was that
0: the year of High School Musical? That might have been
1: a big deal Oh there you go if, Yeah that, that was on the Disney Channel But yeah High School yeah. Musical Was about that time High School Musical I'm looking at it right now High School Musical exactly. was 2006
0: So High School Musical might be it Okay. Yeah. Again, this isn't our generation, so mm. we're just throwing out titles to see what yeah, well, people in the generation who are listening, mm. what sticks. And if you actually have a thought about this, because I believe about once every generation there is a movie that kind of, if not defines, then speaks to mm-hmm. a general high school experience. You know, Breakfast Club is an mm. obvious example. Um, um, a Summer Place, I believe was, in like 1960-ish.
1: Okay.
0: Um, it's not really well-remembered now, but it was a monster. Mm-hmm. And everyone knows the music, even if you don't know the movie. It's the bit that goes... da na na mm-hmm. no. na na The theme Do-do. from the Summer Place. Everybody, yeah, everybody's and seen theme, that. Yeah, that's that's a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, for my generation, though, a lot of people said it's Can't Hardly Wait or Empire Records. There's an argument for either. Mm-hmm. I have often argued that the defining teen movie of my generation of the 90s was Scream. Oh, for sure. Um, Even though it's a slasher, it's not typically considered a coming-of-age film. It was the film that understood that my generation learned more about life from consuming pop culture than Mm -hmm. they did from actual life. And that's yeah, not that's yeah. not true for everybody. No movie is true to anybody's experience, but Scream spoke well, to something that was unique to our like generation white, at the
1: time. White suburban movie obsessed teens. Yeah, yeah, that 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 was definitely their their milieu. I think even uh, beyond suburbia. I just mm-hmm. think it was something that a lot of people yeah. watched. We had
0: cable, we had home video. We had access to all of these Motion pictures and TV shows and video games now that were telling us things about the world that we were just sort of absorbing, mm-hmm. even if we didn't have actual experience to back them up. Mm-hmm. So I, I would argue,
1: Scream was mine. But okay. yeah, the 2000s—it's not my generation. It's not my place to pick it. Yeah, um, I was resented those movies that attempted to speak for my generation because, oh, yeah. first of all, I knew they were never written by the kids.
0: No, the only they one were, I they think of written- it was
1: was 13. 13, yeah, 13 was written by, by a high uh, schoolers. by high schoolers, but um, By, by, by one high schooler. It, it, but, um, it's blunt, but it's a good movie. You know, it, it feels like it was written by a 13-year-old.
0: Yeah, but it's not, it's not, it's but not Kef, just ingenuous genuine. Catherine
1: Hardwick brings a lot of genuineness yeah, that's to it. Yeah, it's a good it. movie. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking at stuff like, uh, like The Breakfast Club, and the idea is that we're supposed to relate to one of these broad types, and I never saw myself in any of the teen movies I watched because I was such an oddball. And I, you know, not even in like the oddball characters. They are always such constructed oddballs, like mm-hmm. oddballs as written by the popular kids. Goonies. That's yeah, something like the Goonies. Yeah, um, the only two that I so, actually
0: saw myself in, and they're two of my favorite movies. They're two of uh, my, like, my formative movies. Uh-huh. Uh, were uh, the Last Starfighter and Monster Squad because they're both about uh-huh. people who were obsessed with geeky stuff, oh, there you who go. then made good because of that obsession. <laughs> like, so yeah, fantasy,
1: like it, it's a wish fulfillment movie. Of course but. they
0: are, but they're good. Uh-huh. You know, so and they're good movies on top of that. Like uh-huh. I stand by that. Um, right. Oh, another one from the 2000s that is a maybe uh, would be Friday Night Lights.
1: Mm, they come get, from that sort of football it, yeah. uh, background, which I didn't, so I Probably don't really have a con- deep connection yeah. to it. Uh, that's like very Americana, though. until tour And ter- oh, yeah. Torolf is from Germany, so... Oh, that's, yeah. that's a good point.
0: That is an excellent point. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that. We again.
1: also can't speak of, yeah, what, what uh, German teens were doing in the early 2000s. So yeah. That, that's even less in... It's, in the it's a house. very...
0: Um, <laughs> uh, I, I realize that Hollywood has this enormous reach. It's a giant octopus that is just pushing American culture and American ideas mm-hmm. all across the planet. Yeah, And mm-hmm. I don't know which of those movies connect where. Right. Sometimes it's not the ones you expect. Sometimes it's the ones that don't do well here. They connect really well somewhere else and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, so I cannot speak to that experience. But hopefully if some of the movies we mentioned might – Jar something loose and if any of those sound like Aha! That's it! That's the connection uh, Write us in or tweet yeah. us Let us know um, And actually tweet us go, At critic acclaim Tweet us what do you think is the Especially if you're of that generation What is the defining teen movie of the 2000s From like 2000-ish mm-hmm. to about 2009 What is the defining teen movie of that generation? I would love to find mm-hmm. out yeah. I think it's too early to call the 2010s We probably still have some, probably have some general ideas But I feel Spectacular like it's really, now. It's, it's spectacular. spectacular now. Now. <laughs> or, or, or to being a wallflower—that's also a great right. one. Um, but uh, or, or something else mm. completely. Uh, so, but yeah, let us know. What do, you, what do you
1: think is the best teen movie of the two thousands? I'd be curious to hear. Uh, was uh, here's a letter from Adam. Hello, Adam. Okay. Uh, hello, Bibbs and Whitney. Longtime listener, A lifelong chocolate eater. Uh, <laughs> I thought about writing in regards to a lighter topic. Uh, however, just listening to your last episode of You've Got Mail, harp sound. You discussed a topic that I feel has never been addressed and is the following: I've had enough of you two judging people that are okay with putting razor-sharp blades to their face and shaving off all their facial hair. (laughs) There is nothing wrong in wanting to look like the great legends of the golden age of cinema with clean haircuts and well-shaped faces. (laughs) With that out of the way, what are your favorite movie beards? (laughs) Take this question however you like. I have my fingers crossed hoping Whitney recommends a killer beard movie. Uh... Though I would just write in with a lighter topic, since in this day and age, content all has to be thought-provoking, and that's not a bad thing. But if you always sometimes forget, we can also just have fun with some movies. Keep up the great work. Wishing you all the best from Tijuana, Mexico. Oh, that's awesome. Um, okay,
0: so if you're wondering what that's in reference to, I've said on multiple occasions, sometimes people ask me, why do you have a beard? Mm-hmm. You don't need a beard. Why, why do you, why do you, why do you give it to the beard? <laughs> I remember when I was a kid, uh, I've, I've never in my entire life, in mm-hmm. person... Saw my dad without a beard from when it was okay. born to when my dad passed away. Never saw him without a beard. There's only mm-hmm. like a couple of pictures of him as an adult without a beard. Mm-hmm. And uh, turns out the reason why when I finally saw the picture of my dad without a beard, he had a very weak chin. Okay. <laughs> so the beard was cosmetic. He, was no, just, gave, he gave, liked the way it made him look. Gave him more of a face and more more definition, a little okay. bit more, uh, uh, which it worked. It worked for him. It was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, because my dad didn't shave. We never had that bonding moment where he taught me how to shave. So I kind of just never learned very well. (laughs) And as a result, every time I tried to learn how to shave, I would end up cutting myself. And after a while, I was like, fuck it, beards are cool. So I was like, instead of putting a sharp knife to my throat all the Mm. time and hoping for the best, (laughs) I'm just going for the beard. You know, you
1: you can get your face shaved in a barbershop. I know, but I can't afford to do that all the time. I I suppose not, but, you know, every once in a while, if you want to get a clean-shaven face, you can get a professional job.
0: I used to do it. I don't bother anymore. Um, I like the way I look. Um, Michelle Mm. likes the way I look. I'm happy. Um, But as for beard movies... I have never thought of that. Favorite movie? I've never thought of beard movies.
1: I love this. What's Mm. a great
0: beard movie.
1: Um, Well, I mean, uh, I'm not sure if I can mention Quentin Tarantino movies, but I know... uh, uh, You mentioned the beard, I guess. I guess I can mention the beard. Uh, There's some dialogue devoted to beards in Django Unchained.
0: Mm. And Christoph
1: Waltz's character says, I'll, I'll give give you money to the man with the spectacular beard. There you go. Um, so it's it's just, like, big and bushy and yeah. looks really nice. I think, uh, I think
0: my favorite comedic he, beard is uh, uh, Monty Python's The Life of Brian, when he, like, hides out in, like, a hole, and there's a guy oh, with a mouth of silence, and mm-hmm. he's got a beard, and it's, he's completely naked, mm-hmm. but his beard is so long, you can't see anything. And it's just him dancing behind the beard. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm free! Silence. I don't
1: care anymore. <laughs> it's hilarious looking. It's very, very funny. Um, I, here's the thing. When I, I have a beard, mm. a lot of people have complimented my beard. I maintain my beard. I shave, you know, my neck and my cheeks, so I have a very Riker esque kind of beard. Yeah. Um. I, my very first shave was a professional shave when I was 15, and you got those little like greasy wires growing out of your face, and you mm-hmm. think it's like stubble or like sexy facial hair, but it just looks like greasy wires. Yeah, I had those shaven off by a barber mm. uh, in Germany, uh, but uh, I flew to Germany just for the shave. No, I was I was in Germany at the time, and uh, yeah, I was letting my facial hair grow and it looked terrible, so I had somebody shave it <laughs> off. Uh, and then I was clean shaven for a while. Then in the '90s, I had that really awful, awful Kevin Smith goatee. Oh, for we a all while. thought that you know, was cool. Everybody thought that was the hippest thing, where my my cheeks and jaw were completely bald, but I just had that sort of like yeah. like I'd just been pounding a mug full of pudding.
0: Only two actors, I think, have ever totally pulled off that look: uh-huh. Alan Rickman in Die Hard, okay, and uh, Robert Downey
1: Jr. in like the first Iron Man. No, he's got, like, sort of a little bit more elaborate beard Does be- he? I feel like in the scenario, original it was most Okay, well, whatever. Anyway. Um, then
0: just Alan Rickman, I guess. Okay.
1: But when it comes to, like, men with beards, it's like I I rarely look at a beard and think, wow, what a good decision. <laughs> 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 like in movies and stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's difficult to say. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just thinking of... I can think of a lot of great
0: mustaches. Obviously, Hercule yeah. Poirot yeah. always and, had a great mustache. Any version.
1: Any version of Hercule Poirot. Uh, Brana's version is particularly interesting because he has two mustaches yeah, that, that meet in the middle. And that's apparently <laughs> yeah. how Agatha Christie described it, which I think is really fucking funny. So Yeah, it's like he's got this big like, Saturnian ring around his face that is his <laughs> mustache.
0: Oh my goodness! Really? God, I had to think about this some more. There's like so in real many. in
1: real life, I look at people and say, "Wow, that is a nice beard." But it's not. It's rare that I'm struck by a beard in a movie.
0: You know who looks amazing with a beard in a movie? And I'm mm. thinking of um, the Thing and Guardians of the Galaxy Two and the Christmas Chronicles. Mm. Kurt Russell.
1: <laughs> Kurt Russell knows how to fucking wear a
0: beard. Kurt Russell, or, and he looks great right without one too. Or another, one, like, another one. Another one
1: of my boss's films and um, <laughs> the, 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 the Hateful Eight. He's got the those, oh, drag, got a, like, those gigantic of a it's, it's like yeah. not on his chin, but he's got like the big mutton chops that connect to the mustache. Yeah, that's a good one. Mm. Beards didn't used to. Be, I'm trying to think of like older movies and beards were not common.
0: Like big beards oh, in mm-hmm. like main actors. In, like, older movies, it was pretty
1: rare. You'll notice that, like, politicians don't have beards. Yeah. Um, Public figures don't have beards. Especially Uh, since, like, the the advent of
0: television, facial hair went way the fuck down on all of our um, politicians.
1: Yeah. uh, Ever since uh, Nixon showed up with that five o'clock shadow, nobody's going to show up on TV with any kind of facial hair. Uh, because it's too difficult to, difficult to maintain, I think. You just shave it off as often as you well, can. Well, I think it
0: just looks a little... Let's be honest here. A clean-shaven face looks clean-cut. Mm-hmm. It, it looks you it it maintained clean, yeah. and, and well-groomed, and a beard
1: is a little... Can be a lot less informal yeah. or a lot more informal. I can, guess. can you imagine That's what you want in a president? Can you imagine like Bernie Sanders with like a long white beard with soup in it? You know, it's like I don't know why he needs the soup. Like, well, soup? Because surely Bernie Sanders would have soup in his beard if he had a beard. You know who rocked a great beard recently? Mark Hamill on the Last Jedi. But that was a good beard. Oh,
0: it was a good beard. think <laughs> it look good on that? I think it's, I, Mark Hamill is like as a mm. he grew into being such a voice actor that sometimes when you see him in live action, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. But I think the beard gave him this really great sage like appearance, and obviously it's supposed to. But mm-hmm. like, I think it, I think it fit him. Okay. I think it was a good look. Mm. God, just shave it. Shave it off. It's fine. Oh, how, how would you yeah. think about Halloween two? Rob Zombie's Halloween two. Oh,
1: where Michael Myers, like his beard was sticking out from under the mask. Yeah. That I was, mean it's obviously really it's not well groomed,
0: but it was striking. <laughs> it was a I think I'd call it a beard movie. Yeah. I think that's fair. I don't know. Yeah. Let us know what your favorite movie beards are. What are your, what are the best movie beards? Yeah, and the, not the, just the most striking, and not just they look good in a beard. Because a lot yeah. of people look good in a beard. We're talking about striking, mm-hmm. like woo or wow or that one's weird. Uh-huh. Like, let us know. I'm very curious. Mm-hmm. All right, good uh- good question though. I like that one. That's fun.
1: <laughs> Here's a letter from name redacted. They didn't sign off, so okay. I'm not going to read your name. But uh, I think you uh, I think you could do an interesting exegesis about unhappy endings to movies and okay. when they're appropriate and when they aren't example the martian what if it had an unhappy ending it wouldn't be the right ending for that movie Mm -hmm. love story without the unhappy ending what have they got really to quote (laughs) mad magazine if she doesn't die the studio dies (laughs) and a tale of two cities is it an unhappy ending and that was bittersweet but yeah okay also many dramas seem to feel that suicide is not a real tragedy because the character is getting what they want is that true oh i hope not that's disgusting i don't know i don't 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 know if i've ever seen that Um, i don't know
0: if that's the case um Unhappy but, endings. That's a great question because a mm. lot of people assume an unhappy ending mm-hmm. is some sort of death knell for like a mainstream movie. Like, you can't have a mainstream movie with an unhappy ending. Where
1: the, the, the hero dies tragically and without gaining anything.
0: Right. Well, but that's the thing. Every movie, and mm. I actually would almost go towards so say every story, mm-hmm. typically ends with something gained and something lost. Okay. I think in a happy ending, What is gained is more valuable than what is lost. Mm -hmm. And in an unhappy ending, what is lost is more valuable than what was gained. Mm -hmm. Um, So in a story of tragic sacrifice, like you look at uh, the end of Titanic, movie everyone's seen. I don't Mm want to talk about it. Jack dies. That sucks. Mm -hmm. That sucks for Jack, and he dies because he was he couldn't figure out how. He probably could have done it, but like he couldn't figure out how to save himself without
1: he was, making Rose freeze to death. He, he, he was submerged in water; she was floating on top, and her body temperature was just such that she could survive that. And he was just going to freeze to death in the water.
0: Yeah, so he so rather than try to save himself and risk getting making her freeze to death, mm-hmm. he did so a he, noble sacrifice, and he died. Mm-hmm. What was gained from that? was Rose led, a, as we see at the end, a Hmm. beautiful life. A a life full of family and Mm. friends, and she didn't need all the money that defined her mother and everything like that. She had a great existence, and she died keeping his memory alive. What was gained was, I wouldn't say more than what he sacrificed, but it helps compensate for it in Mm. our minds, and as a result, we get to have a happy ending of that. Rocky. At the end Mm. of Rocky 1, he loses,
1: no, uh, yeah, but he but he went the distance yeah. and that's the happy ending. He gained and-
0: his self-respect. He oh. f- he got himself a family. He's he wins. He just technically lost the match. If on the other hand, like the opposite was true mm-hmm. in Rocky, where he won the game but he lost Adrian. Mm-hmm. And he lost his self-respect because, I don't know, let's say he cheated or was on the take or something. Mm. That would be an
1: unhappy ending. It would be a very different film. It would be more of a tragic film because it's about how his flaws kind of ruined him, even if he won financially. Yeah. So, like, yeah, you can gain – I think
0: something is gained and lost in almost every movie. Mm. You just have to decide where you want the mix to be. Yeah. Um, Like, and some movies are kind of ambiguous about it. Like, look at Pan's Labyrinth. Is mm. that just a tragedy, or is there something oh, it's actually... Just a,
1: it's just a tragedy. I think there's
0: something, even if, whether you take it literally or mm. you just say it's in her, that girl's mind, mm. I think there's an element of escape yeah, in that movie that is, if there's nothing else, a bit of a relief. Mm. You know? So there's, there's I, just, I don't think it skews, yeah. it's still a tragedy, well, but I think it's more bittersweet than it is just bitter.
1: It, uh, the, uh... The examples you gave in your letter, yeah, The Martian uh, wouldn't have worked if it was the story of survival that ultimately ended with him dying. Uh Um, It's a survival tale, and him surviving is the theme of – him surviving with a good deal of wit, skill, scientific know-how, and good humor – the uh, whole reason the movie exists. It's the whole... Yeah, it's the reason that movie exists. It's... Yeah.
0: it's Otherwise, you're saying science is pointless.
1: <laughs> yeah, you're saying that he could survive for a little bit, but no matter what he does, Mars is so inhospitable that you're just doomed to die. Yeah. Which is a weird message. Why are we... Why didn't we come well, to that? Why, so yeah, why, why didn't we
0: go to the theater for this?
1: Why are you trying to scare us off Mars? This is a weird thing to say. Yeah. Uh, a... At the same time, you know, you go to uh, somebody like Herzog, who has told numerous stories of people wandering out into the woods, and the woods kind of just swallow them. Yeah, fiction films and documentary films about people who try to face off against nature and will always lose because you are but a drop of water in an ocean that is nature. Um, Surely said that in one of his movies. Uh, it sounds like something he'd say. Yeah. Hey, the cats are great. <laughs> you, no, matter, no matter how much you face off against cats, they will always win. Uh,
0: believe me, in this apartment, and, that's true. Uh, um,
1: I, uh, n- this whole idea of like the unhappy ending. Every ending, presumably... not pres- Assuming that it's not some sort of studio monster where they change the ending at the last minute, like mm-hmm. Brazil. Um, the original Blade Runner. Yeah. The, they are constructed to be that way. And if they end... With a death or somebody selling out or a tragedy, I think we need to learn, as specifically as American film going audiences, to simply feel that sadness, hate, rejection, and despair. I think that I just think the spoonful of sugar to make that medicine go down Mm -hmm. isn't cut
0: out the bit that's sad and just peep sugar on it. No. I think it's just, say, like, the sad thing mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, it was worth it. It was worth it to get to that ending. It was worth it to well, get to that message. It was worth it so that the audience understood the weight of that story. That's what's
1: important. That, that's not what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm, I'm saying. Okay. I'm, I'm saying that this this obsession of the happy ending that a lot of studios are putting onto their movies that are trying to trying to wrap up these very artificial melodramas in a very neat little bow... Uh, are are pushing this message, this, this kind of unhealthy emotional message that th- the point of life is a release of joy. That's the goal. That's sort of the the end point of this. Mm-hmm. And there's only one emotional, like, end point of your life. And I think these other movies that are trying to explore sadness or tragedy or death is just – Presenting that thing and allowing you to move out of this artificial joy that movie, like movie melodramas, have trained you to accept, Mm -hmm. and force you into a little bit of a different emotional state. Right. Uh, So by the time you get to the end of a movie that ends in a suicide or a movie that ends in several murders, there's still a kind of emotional catharsis to be had in looking at that thing and feeling nothing but a deep abiding lamentation and i think that is just as worthy a goal of art as trying to comfort you or make you feel joy i i'm going to
0: have i am not going to disagree with you on that i will mm. however make one counterpoint okay you are making the assumption that the movie is good or that uh, the well, ending course, is good yeah. so but like for example i'm going to give you an example um, clerks okay You've seen Clerks. Uh, Numerous times. Have you ever seen the the original ending of Clerks? Yeah, where Dante dies. Yeah. If you've never seen the original ending of Clerks... Clerks, by the way, seminal movie in the 1990s independent scene. Mm. There's a lot of things wrong with it, but there's a lot of things it does right. Mm. And basically, it's a story of two Clerks. One works at a convenience store, one works next door at a video store. And it's a boring day with a bunch of weird people who just wander in wanting stuff. And they fill it with conversation and whining about their romantic foibles mm-hmm. um it was very relatable to a lot of people at the time at least the working class aspect of it okay the original ending, the, the way Clerks ends now is some bad things happen, but Dante, the film's protagonist, is going to try to improve himself. He has dis- mm-hmm. decided at the end of that day he's going to improve
1: his life. Improve his relationships with other people. Yeah, and yeah
0: he's, he's, he's come to, in a strange roundabout way, a certain catharsis. Um, the original ending that was shot mm-hmm. was, after all of that... Some guy walks in. I forget to you know asks for some smokes or something, and then he just shoots Dante, steals money from the register, and leaves. Mm-hmm. And that was the ending. Cut the credits. <laughs> just the protagonist dies. Mm-hmm. That was the thing. That was like the one thing the studio said. Cut that ending.
1: And uh, well, and Kevin Smith, he, and you know, he talks endlessly about his movies. He's been very yeah. candid about this. That was supposed to play. That was supposed to be the comedy ending. That was supposed to be funny? That was the happy ending. That was the funny ending for him. Because the whole joke was that he's not supposed to be there today, and wouldn't it be funny if on the day he's not supposed to be there is his last day on Earth? But it's a different kind of
0: humor than the rest of the film, though. The rest of the film is about, like, struggling against, Mm. you know, the whole, like, world that's against them. And if the world wins... Uh Oh, <laughs> it's, you're coming with an entirely different film. Yeah. I feel like it's a different ending to a different film. Well,
1: I think I, I think uh, it, it's not a very mature ending, and I think um, Kevin Smith was sort of forced to reckon with that and kind of gr- wrote a more adult ending. But it would be interesting, like if the movie had gone out with that ending,
0: mm-hmm. and how we would have just gone with it at the end. It's like, well, what are we? Wow, shit, mm. that's depressing. Like, would 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 Kevin Smith have had the career he had? One wonders. Like, would well, probably it probably it, not? It would have people, left
1: a sour taste in people's mouths. Would people
0: have critiqued the ending, mm. saying the ending didn't fit the film? Mm. It might have. It was, but it was his original intention. Mm-hmm. There's a certain bleak adolescent cynicism
1: to it that I can respond to. Mm-hmm. But um, you, want, yeah. you, want, if you want bleak adolescent cynicism? Uh, go to Very Bad Things by Peter Berg, but, uh, uh, which which starts with a bad ending and just keeps getting worse. <laughs> <laughs> Much. Yeah, yeah the like, no, no, thing is very Nothing good happens in that movie. As
0: depressing an ending as any movie, but at least mm. everyone deserves it.
1: Because, yeah, they're just all horrible people from yeah. the start in that movie. Anyway, let's move on. Okay, uh, here, let me get another letter up here. Here's a letter from. Uh, Elizabeth. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello, Elizabeth. Uh, Dear Biz and Whitney, I just listened to your Letters episode where you talked about the producers and movies that have become stage musicals. I'm super behind on my podcasts. Well, we're super behind on our Letters. So Yay! No, no hard feelings. Uh, as someone who is currently double majoring in musical theater and TV and film, Ooh, good for you, uh, awesome. you could probably guess that I have opinions on these two mediums and the uh, and the outcomes when they cross over. I just wanted to share some of my opinions and our recommendations with you and with your listeners. Uh, first of all, Legally Blonde. I love... Uh, this is the musical version of Legally Blonde.
0: Yeah. When we brought this up and we talked about how a lot of different movies have turned into musicals, mm-hmm. whereas it used to be that stage musicals were turned into movies, now it's mostly going the other direction. Mm-hmm. Um we were forced to admit that we've heard of a lot of these films that have been turned into Broadway plays, but we haven't seen the vast majority of them. Yeah. So if you have personal experience, let's let's share it. Love so, um,
1: I love this musical. I think it's fantastic. It's mm. campy and energetic and fun all the way through. The music and choreography are great, and Elle Woods is actually one of the most difficult roles for females in musical theater. Really? I also love the relationship between Emmett and Elle that gets explored more in the movie. If you search around the internet, you can find the MTV special of the full musical, and I recommend that you people watch it. Oh, when MTV did that. I know. It's like behind been- the scenes of like a big Broadway We were going to watch that for a Legally Blonde episode. We just Mm. never got around, so I feel bad about it. Uh, Shrek the Musical. I actually like this show quite a bit. It's got a certain kind of charm to it. I'm pretty sure you can watch it on Netflix, and I say it's worth it just to see Sutton Foster as Fiona. She's a national treasure. Uh, The Mean Girls Musical. Very fun. Captures the spirit and essence of the original movie with song and dance. What's not to enjoy? The Addams Family. When you reviewed Mm. the new Addams Family movie on Critically Acclaimed, I was waiting for you to bring up the stage musical in the history of the story, but it never came up. I wonder if either of you knew about it. Well, I knew about it. I just hadn't seen it. I think I vaguely heard about it, but I don't know anything. Yeah, about I know. Um, it, I think the original production Nathan Lane played Gomez, and uh, no, that makes sense. God, I it's a beautiful Nathan played, Lane and I just.
0: I, think well, so
1: I, it. <laughs> I forgot who played Morticia in that production, yeah. but um, anyway. Uh, overall, it's a bit unfocused and sometimes out of character with such a rapid and weak resolution. But it has some nice music. Okay. I, uh, the Adams family don't require resolution. They've they've reached the end of their story. You see, <laughs> yeah. The family like is about, happy. That's what I like about the Adams family. Yeah. They don't, there's not a lot of conflict in their lives. Yeah, well, not within their their
0: not within their lives with each other. It's always mm. interlopers.
1: Yeah, 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 or occasionally self doubt some or something
0: like. But they're I, always I very supportive of each other. There was a
1: subplot in the recent movie where uh, Wednesday was hanging out with sort of a, a, a normie from the town. Yeah, and. She started dressing a little bit more normal, like wearing pinks and things. Oh, she wore
0: one pink barrette, and and Morticia was scared because it was a gateway color. That's
1: right. (laughs) And if if they, and of course, conversely, we got to see the normie become more goth, and she became like super goth overnight. First of all, cut out the the normie becoming goth part. She just let her be who she is. If the whole subplot was just about how Wednesday was becoming a little bit more normal, and that was freaking out the Addams Family, that would have been a fine story. I
0: love the idea that she was mostly doing it to get a rise out of her mom. Like well, just teen yeah. rebellion, like that. Was, like, but, even you know, she wasn't sort of super into it. An,
1: an invert of the the teen rebellion, yeah. whereas it's you know this death obsessed goth person who's always m- literally murdering her brother. All of a sudden, like into unicorns. I wish that I wish that I made a movie a bit better.
0: Like, I didn't hate yeah. it the way most people did, but like it was. I, it's, I wanted it to be good. I know I, it needed the, to the, the be Adams great. family is so
1: important to me. So yeah. anyway, yeah. Uh, Ragtime. Ragtime.
0: Oh, yeah. I forgot.
1: I, you know I saw Ragtime. I haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the musical. I've no, I haven't seen either. Okay. Uh, the musical came out in Didn't
0: 1998.
1: did Milos Forman do the, mu- do the movie? You did. Okay. Yeah, it was okay, a okay. Forman film. Uh, this musical came out in 1998, and it's based on the original book as well as the 1981 film. It is one of my favorite musicals of all time. Mm. From the music to the staging to the message behind the film, it's a masterpiece of the theater. I can't believe this lost the Best Musical Tony Award to The Lion King. Oh. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Again, if you search around the internet, you can find bootlegs of the original Broadway cast. And I think everyone should watch it. I desperately want this musical to be made into a movie. It has great music. Cool. Yeah. And, um, Houdini is a, a minor character in it. So, yeah, it's got all kind of cool stuff. In I love it. all that stuff. Yeah. It's like a great song about spitting and watching baseball and spitting and grabbing <laughs> your crotch and spitting and watching baseball. It's really great. Uh, as, uh, as far as other movies made into musicals like Big, A Christmas Story, Elf, Pretty Woman, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark, Groundhog Day, and Rocky, among others, I can't recommend them because I haven't seen them, but they exist. Rocky? I didn't even hear about Rocky. Oh, yeah, there was a Rocky musical. Rocky. Yeah, I, I haven't seen any of those, but I have seen Spider-Man. Spider-Man isn't really based I, off a movie, though. It's just kind of based it, off Spider-Man. But I, I got to see Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark on Broadway. I'm, I'm a little jealous. I'm not going to lie. It, well, it was, it was a tough ticket. I heard. I and, remember and, you were telling and, me and that. Every, and everybody thought it was going to be a complete disaster because they had to remake the entire thing at the last minute because mm-hmm. Julie Taymor's ideas were way too weird. I wish I could have seen that version. <laughs> and they said, Julie Julie <laughs> Taymor, we, we need you to make a, a Spider-Man into a musical. And she's like, well, I just did a production of The Tempest. What the fuck do I know of Spider-Man? Yeah. It's like, well, this is Spider-Man. You're creative. You did The Lion King. You can do Spider-Man. It's like, okay, fine. I'll do Spider-Man. So she's looking at this comic about a boy who is bitten by a spider and gets, like, spider-like qualities. So she thinks, this is all, like, Ovid's metamorphoses. It's about this boy who is trapped between man and animal. So she, like, wrote in all of these allusions to ancient Greek transformation myths. I really want to see that goddamn play, and, and like all you of know these they filmed it. I know they put, they put it on. I'm sure like, look, I'm sure you can find a film of it I somewhere. I really want to see because honestly, she wanted,
0: we yeah. need more weird. Yeah, less yeah. A little. We've had so much fealty to our superheroes for so long. Let's
1: just... Go nuts. Just, just once. it once, tw- once just, in a while. Just yeah. once. I
0: just want everything to go completely insane. Like mm. I want Matt Reeves' new Batman movie to just be completely mm. off the wall, bizarre, nothing you expected. Yeah. We, it won't, because Matt Reeves is a bit he, more faithful to source he, material than that, but man. He's
1: Batman, but he gets his powers by eating bats. I was... Uh, there was his a, power is he
0: can pass through wood, but only wood. There used to be a... Uh, uh, I think might still be. Uh, there mm. was a comic book... Of uh, just Batman and Superman, like, together.
1: Okay. Because they're, because they're friends. They're just hanging out. All right. Yeah,
0: they they hang out in all their various adventures they've had together. And they're, they're there was one
1: a diner and they're eating
0: toast. There was one issue that began very cleverly with uh, Batman and Superman. They're at the top of a building. And mm-hmm. Batman is talking about his, his origin and, like, mm-hmm. the tragedy that – the death of his parents that turned mm-hmm. him into Batman. And he's talking about how, yeah, it was my parents. They uh, – Beaten to death by a guy with a bat. Mm-hmm. That's why I decided to become a bat. And he takes off his mask <laughs> and he's blonde, and you realize this is the movie
1: Oh, people make because they don't know who Batman is, so they All just right. made shit up. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's do really that. Fun. Do it's that. It's really funny. Just completely betray the character. It was really funny. Yeah. It's awesome. Anyway, uh, but yeah, they, they turned it into this big stunt spectacular. A lot of people were injured during rehearsals. Yeah. Because of people flying around the whole stage <laughs> like all crazy. Bono yeah. and the Edge did the music and it's awful. And uh, <laughs> it's like there's not one memorable song in that entire thing. That's great. And, oh, God. <laughs> It, it, I ended up seeing seeing the, the, the altered version, which they tried to sort of bring it back and bring some of, like, the, the weird costumes of the famous characters and put them into, like, a different sort of context. Right. I mean, like a villain was, like, mixing people with animal DNA, and that's how we got stuff like the Rhino. Eh, whatever. Whatever. It's comic booky enough. Uh, so it ends up playing a lot like a... A really bad U2 record is blazing over one of those, like, Universal Studios stunt spectacular shows.
0: Again, all of this sounds cool. Yeah.
1: And and it was pretty awful. Luckily, I only paid, like, 50 bucks to see it. And I got to sit in the pit, too. I got a really special deal. yeah. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Oh well, thank you for yeah, writing yeah. it and
1: uh, giving us your two cents yeah, okay. about oh, well, it. Oh, there's there, more. There's more. Oh, was, I'm sorry. I was, I I was just stopping to describe Spider-Man. I thought you were done. Anyway, uh, there's also a topic I wanted to ask you about. I love musicals. I love the experience of performing them as well as seeing them. That being said, I want more musicals to be made into films or at least filmed stage performances be made available to the public. Yeah. Everyone knows, or at least should know, that seeing a performance live is going to be better than watching it on a screen. That's obvious. It's why people want to go to see concerts of their favorite artists rather than just listen to the records. Yep. However, in many ways. Theater has become an art of the elite. I mean, just look at the average price of a Broadway ticket. It's like $250. It, it's to see insanity, s- just, yeah. And that's not even the best seat. Uh, there are also many places that don't have access to qual- quality professional regional theater near them. Seeing a movie is much cheaper and easier than going to f- find a theater for most people. I know that it's extremely difficult for a film to capture a stage musical on film well like a chorus line but I want people to have access to these amazing musicals most musicals are never filmed or to be released to the public so when it's gone it's gone unless someone puts a bootleg up online a note for listeners do not record from the audience during a performance it's rude and disrespectful just don't yep uh, what do you think the future of of the future of musicals on film what are your opinions what's the secret to making a good movie musical thoughts appreciated Elizabeth I think um, the secret to making a hit Mm-hmm.
0: Motion picture musical is to make it feel like an event mm. because that's what a musical is. It's so, to a lot of people, musicals are still kind of weird. Like a well, lot of people to who, people outside of the theater yeah, world, to people outside yeah. of the theater world. The mainstream community. People who like...
1: But the theater world is huge, man. It's no, pretty no, no, mainstream. There's, there's, but, yeah. there's,
0: but not everyone goes. Not everyone can get to it. It's Smart. sort of like um, comic books where a lot of people know all the histories of the superheroes and like follow along with everything on Twitter and behind the scenes. And oh my God, I keep having the Justice League. But the majority of the people who go see that, casual enthusiasts at most. Well, and they true. don't know all that weird stuff, and they don't care. It's mm. not they're That's not fu- what's important. They're following the news story. The movie is what's important to them. Mm. And I feel like the movie of a musical is a lot the same way, where mm. it might not be the sort of thing that a typical person would seek out en masse, like, on, like, a collector's way. Like, I see all the musicals. Like, mm. but if you tell them it's going to be an event, you tell them it's something that you got to see, mm. I think they'll go.
1: Yeah. Um
0: like well, for that's, example, that's like, the way
1: they've been selling movie blockbusters, so you're thinking they just need to do that with musicals. Well, I think I think the, the movie musicals mm. of the last decade or
0: two that have mm. worked out like that have felt that way. Mm. I think uh, you know La La Land was considered a big art house you have to see mm. this movie everyone's talking about. I still don't think it's a great musical, but There's I it. get why it was a hit. I understand why it connected. Same with uh, Les Misérables. Um. yeah, yeah, I mean that was one where people had heard about it for so damn long. You finally mm. could see it, on a big screen. I'll bet Cats does well. Uh, I really do. Oh, yeah, people, the, the, people, mainstream, non-theater people, love fucking Cats. They fucking love Cats. They fucking uh, love Cats, man. It's going to be weird. I don't think it's going to break the box out or something mm-hmm. make a billion dollars. I bet it does fine.
1: Cats is not one of the worst musicals ever. It's one of the worst things ever. <laughs> it's one of the worst things that we were able to produce as a species. I feel um, like there are
0: certain stage musicals where if you... did one of two things. If you release, like on streaming or whatever, a well-crafted filmed stage production Mm -hmm. a la Zoot Suit, where the Mm -hmm. camera's actually on stage and you're coming up with good angles, but it's still the stage performance. Mm -hmm. Or if you spent a lot of money and it made it really, really great. uh, I bet Book of Mormon would kill, and I bet Hamilton would kill. Hamilton, yeah. I, I cannot I, imagine I, Hamilton as like a feature two hundred million dollar epic historical film. Uh-huh. I can't imagine a film stage performance doing very well.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, kind of surprised they haven't done a film version of Avenue Q. Uh, that kind of rates itself. It was yeah. meant that was meant to be on a screen. You know, there is puppets in it. Yeah, in the stage musical, the puppeteers are just on stage. They can't hide them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's so complicated. Just do it on on screen where you can hide them. I feel the, feel uh, like the ship
0: may have sailed on Avenue Q. Yeah, like I, I guess probably over, out now. You,
1: you can't do an Avenue Q musical now. But no. plus, you know, one of the characters in it is Gary Coleman, and he died since the production. So, yeah. um, but uh, there are great ways to film stage performances. Um, Ingmar Bergman's the Magic Flute. Okay, I've never he, seen that one. He, yeah, that one. Uh, he brings the camera. He he does. He just lets sort of the performance go, go by itself. He doesn't have a static camera. It moves around. It's not up on stage, but it's like close to the stage so you get to see everything and all the action mm-hmm. and all the performances are really terrific. And occasionally Bergman would cut back to the audience watching it. Oh, okay. So you're kind of getting this spontaneous that's, feeling to it. That's
0: a decision a lot of players make. Like uh, Jonathan Demme made a conscious decision when he did the concert movie Stop Making Sense <laughs> mm-hmm. to never see the audience, at least until the very end. Yeah. Because he wanted you're the audience. Mm-hmm. We don't need to be reminded of the people are watching this you're watching this <laughs> so let's focus on that
1: yeah and um, the way I saw into the woods the oh, yeah. the, the, the musical not the film. Uh, was this really terrific uh, VHS tape that was circulating? Yeah. Of uh, somebody actually bothered to film it, and it was another one of those things where they're filming kind of from the audience. They did that with cats um, as well. They the do 90s. that. They do that with like fathom events. Like mm. some movie theaters will book a special block to show like an opera or a musical. Oh, they
0: showed Newsies not that
1: long ago. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. But yeah, getting that sort of thing. That's m- probably
0: made, a big idea of what the future of it's going to be. Yeah, that's, that, that's kind, kind
1: of this, what we're looking yeah. at. Is if you know these big gigantic productions people. Can't afford them in New York, even though they have access to them. And people who aren't in New York don't go. So, that if it becomes a big enough hit, they'll film it and they'll put it in a Fathom event. Have the you ever gone to a Fathom
0: event like that?
1: I've been to one Fathom event in my life. And of course, there were technical problems. Um, oh, no. Well, what did you go say? I saw the best of both worlds, parts one and two from Star Trek The Next Generation. Of course.
0: Yeah. I only went and, to And uh, Lavar
1: Le- Burton was there. I went to
0: one. I went to a Hatsune Miku uh, concert. Okay Hatsune Miku If you don't know who Hatsune Miku is um, She is a fictional pop star Who has actual pop music Mm. She is a vocaloid She is created in a a computer Her voice is created in a computer And the concert Mm. She was performing via hologram It Uh. was pretty cool I'm not going to lie But yeah Mm. That's the only other one I've been to But I I understand they do well
1: Otherwise I wouldn't keep doing them (laughs) So anyway yeah, um, it's a pity that theater. Well, I mean, we're we're in, in L.A. and there's a lot of theater in L.A. But we're considered like a movie town. Yeah. Um, which I know is insulting to all the people who are in L.A. theater, which is you know, thousands mm-hmm. of people. But we don't have a um, Broadway. We yeah, have a we,
0: couple of big stages at a time. We, you know?
1: we think of New York as being the theater town and L.A. as being the movie town, even though they're, they're, they both they have both. both have both yep. and um, and they're also spread out all throughout the country. You know, it's not just the two cities. Um, but knock it off, cats. I think it's kind of up to us. I think theater is this very uh, live art that um, a lot of people don't really partake in, including myself. I don't see nearly as many plays as I would like. Yeah. Uh, anytime I go to New York, I make it a point to see, you know, try to see a Broadway musical that I can afford. Uh, it doesn't even have to be the big hit. I'll see anything. Yeah. It's just because live theater is, is so wonderful. I majored in theater, too. So I have a, a passion for it. I did a fair amount of theater in high school mm-hmm. and
0: college, but I never actually majored in uh,
1: it. I majored okay. in film, just film. Yeah, I, I, I have performed. I thought I was going to be an actor at one point, and then I realized at one point I'm not very talented. So you're an excellent I, performer. Part excellent performer. Well, thank you it. know it's how to, to you know
0: how to like you know how to speak and present yourself mm. and talk and entertain. I haven't really seen you play too many characters. Uh, well, that's true. Maybe, but maybe you know if you had, you know if, if,
1: if you maybe if you had, you would wince a little bit. But. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, um, movie musicals, however, always do it wrong. Whenever uh, whenever Hollywood tries to take whatever musical it is and make it into a film, they just – they think like movie makers. So we're going to get a big star and we're going to add a lot of special effects and we're going to get big movie sets and we're going to film it really dynamically and have a lot of swooping cameras and that's going to make it an interesting musical – and to which I say, how about you cast dancers right? and singers, and you film them in such a way that exhibits their talent, rather than swirling the camera around and over-designing everything. And why not focus on making good songs, and you don't worry about the story stopping for a little bit to have a mm-hmm. good song? Because that is the end unto itself. The thing
0: that it frustrates me, and it frustrates me with La La Land, uh-huh. which again, I, I actually do like, but like mm. it's I understand, whatever. So many films that... Like, Into the Woods. Actually, perfect example. Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. There's a handful of people in the movie version of Into the Woods Mm -hmm. who are really good. Who are doing a really good job. Like, uh, Emily Blunt is doing a really good job in that movie. Anna Kendrick is doing a really good job Mm -hmm. in that movie. A lot of the people, though, they're there to, like... We're not there to see Johnny Depp be really great in musical theater. Mm -hmm. We're here to see, wow, Johnny Depp's going to try...
1: Yeah, will he succeed? And no, I, no. I I know you've defended him, but uh, Marlon Brando and Guys and Dolls uh, insisted that they don't dub him. Yeah, because uh, Frank Sinatra was cast as nicely, nicely. No, no, he was, or, he was cast as Nathan? First or or he was Nathan Detroit, yeah, and 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 uh, Brando was Sky, um, yeah, and. Nathan Detroit doesn't have like a lot of big numbers, so they had to write extra music because they cast Frank Sinatra, a singer, yeah, to play that role. So meanwhile, they,
0: they came up with new numbers for Frank yeah. Sinatra, and they added him to Guys and Dolls. His character didn't originally sing that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a two hander. They made it a three hander just so they can get Frank Sinatra for, singing. Exactly,
1: it. exactly. And they and gave
0: the kid one with all then the numbers. To Sky, who has
1: <laughs> several numbers, they gave to Marlon Brando, and Marlon Brando says, "Well, Frank gets to sing his songs. Why can't I?" Because you're Marlon Brando? He's Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Look, he's Frank Sinatra. (laughs) Marlon Brando and Guys and Dolls. Here's what I will say about Marlon Brando. They didn't let him dub, and that started this whole trend of actors having to sing their own stuff, even if they're not talented. Here's what I'm going to say about –
0: because Audrey Hepburn didn't even sing her own songs in My Fair Lady. No. No one cares because they're great. Um Marlon Brando, I will say this for Marlon Brando in Guys and Dolls. He mm-hmm. is not a great singer. He is, however, performing the songs. Like, he's selling the content no. like a good actor. He's like Rex Harrison in My Fair Lady, uh-huh. where he's talk singing the entire thing. And he's mm-hmm. getting away with it because he is conveying the lyrics in such a way. Mm-hmm. Would I love to see a version with someone who could actually sing? Fuck <laughs> yes. <laughs> we are overdue. Yeah. I would love to see a new production of My Fair Lady.
1: Uh, you know what? Wouldn't I that be, what be nice? Doing?
0: Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, like just just so, do it, just do it straight well, up.
1: I think it's I been think fifty years. If if we're remaking all of those like Disney animated films, why not just start dipping into the Roger Hammerstein vault again? Yeah, some make, of them. Some of them, make another gonna, Oklahoma. Make another Sound of Music.
0: Some of them aren't going to hold up great. I don't. My, I, think, I don't think the King and I would do well nowadays for a variety well, of reasons. Okay, don't don't do the King. But and like I. but like Guys and Dolls would work. Mm. Uh, uh, what what was I just saying would work? Uh, mm. My Fair Lady. Okay would be wonderful get big mm. you know get the put some Disney money behind mm. that get some really beautiful
1: costumes get oh here's you know here's a question because they already made one great movie of cabaret. Is it sacrilege to do another movie of Cabaret? Oh, no you know, have stay away from Cabaret. I Cabaret's think, good. I think here's um, my thing with Cabaret. I mm. saw I think was it Sam Mendez's did
0: cabaret on uh, mm. on on Broadway?
1: I think so. He had a
0: more experimental
1: take on camera. Alan Cumming is the MC, right? Yeah, when I saw it, he he,
0: he had had been replaced by that Uh, point. But yeah, it was that that It was that That was was
1: a more
0: stark, striking Mm. version. If you have a somewhat different take, I'm fine with it. But I think My Fair Lady is a great movie that you don't really need to change either. It just – with theater – Half the fun is seeing it restaged uh-huh. with new actors and a director with a different take on it and new ideas for the sets and the locations. You know, that's mm. one of the ways that Orson Welles made a big name for himself on Broadway was doing a lot of broadly restaged Shakespeare stories. He did a a uh, version of Julius Caesar he directed mm-hmm. that was set in fascist Italy at the time. Mm-hmm. That's something you can do. Just restage it.
1: Or uh, the, the Scottish play set set in, I think it was Jamaica? Yeah. Uh, or the Buddha Macbeth. I think it was in Haiti. Haiti. Okay. Yeah. It, it was in the Caribbean.
0: Yeah, it was in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. I, don't I think it was Haiti. I could be wrong. Okay. Um,
1: but yeah, we're we're remaking all this
0: other stuff. It seems like we're shying away from some things. Yeah, I don't I understand think. why we're not remaking more James Bond movies. <laughs> Casino Royale was great. Remakes on, from Russia with love. <laughs> Why not? Who gives a shit at this point? They already remade Thunderball. They did. Yeah. Like, just remake some of the classics. Some of the classics that you remade, uh-huh. that you made in the first place, that were so loose, you fucked it up. Like, the original book of Moonraker uh-huh. is actually more relevant now. You could just have it be about uh-huh. some Elon Musk guy who's trying to go to space. Uh-huh. They're trying to anyway. Right? <laughs> it's itself. The space race uh-huh. exists and is a thing. You just change the structure of make it less goofy. Anyway. I I think we're done with James Bond, just
1: culturally. We don't need James Bond I'm excited for... We're so out of James Bond.
0: Here's what I want them to do, because Mm. the idea of the super spy action genre, there's nothing wrong with it. James Bond, Uh I'm okay with retiring, at least for a while. Yeah. I've said this before. Keep 007 and let someone else be 007, which apparently they're doing in the new movie. Okay, He retired at the end of Spectre. There's a new 007. It's played by... um,
1: not Naomi Harris, and that's what pisses me off. No, but she's playing played by that lady from Still Starcrossed.
0: Oh, right, right, right. Uh, whose name totally escapes me. I'm gonna look it up because she's really cool, mm-hmm. and I really dig her. Um, but she was, she was also in Captain Marvel, right? She was in Captain Marvel. Yeah, she mm-hmm.
1: was um, just uh, Captain Marvel's girlfriend, <laughs> basically. Oh, uh, was, uh, she was Captain Marvel's girlfriend. You all know oh, it. You're <laughs> not wrong. Um, what is
0: that? Lashana Lynch. Lashana Lynch. Gosh, yeah, yeah. she's great. I like. LeSean I love Bond. her. If she if she took over the franchise, I'm terrified because they yeah. just came out the new trailer because yeah. they show her being sort of antagonistic towards Bond. I <laughs> don't give a shit. I'm terrified we're going to find out she's some sort of double agent or something, and that's why he's well, got to come back. That would piss me off.
1: I don't think she's going to be a double agent. I just think it's like, oh, and now you've done it for a while, but James Bond is back, so you can go back to you're whatever you're we doing. You're 006
0: now. Like,
1: fuck well, we, off. we met 006. That was Sean Bean. But that was a while ago also. That didn't happen now. Oh, that's true. Daniel that was, Craig yeah. actually rebooted it. I guess you're right. Yeah. Let's just get rid of James Bond. Let's move on. Or make a James Bond musical and then have it done. Have we have time for one or two more letters. All right. Let's um, actually take um, it Here's a letter from Daniel. Hi, Daniel. Uh, Dear Bibbs and Whitney, on the Tuca and Birdie episode of Cancel Too Soon, oh, it was a Cancel Too Soon related uh, Great. letter, uh, you guys ex- uh, again expressed an antipathy to the current state of streaming services uh, because Tuca and Birdie uh, was a Netflix show. Netflix mm. has famously axed a lot of their programs because they don't need them to last for 7, 8, 12 mm-hmm. seasons. They only need a couple of years and they just renounce something new. Also, that's a, that's their business model. Also, they're weirdly selective
0: about what they bother advertising.
1: It, yeah, that's a little odd, too. Yeah. Uh, while I understand the criticisms that it would be cheaper and more convenient to have everything on one or two streaming services that the studios. Uh, and that the studios making these services should at least put everything they have on them, I think some of your criticism is overblown. Okay, uh, Whitney said that there's uh, there's less available than ever, at least a lot of older stuff, but I don't see that. For example, I was recently watching The Saint with Roger Moore and Secret Agent with Patrick Magoon on Amazon Prime. I've been wanting to see those shows for years. Another example, several of the services have every Star Trek show in their entirety without right. buying the obscenely expensive complete series set. On Disney+, Plus, I, it's... It's not true that they only have the 90s Drek. They have a lot of 90s Drek. To our credit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. um, I've been working my way through older live action ones that I hadn't seen in years like The Black Hole, Tron, Treasure Island, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, etc. I was really excited to get access to those. And the Criterion channel, which I know both both of you love as well, is one of the greatest tools one could have for learning about a wide variety of great movies, particularly those uh, with the curation it provides. True. Also, I think you downplay how much more expensive it is to buy DVDs if you want a large collection. So while I, t- I too, wish there was a one-stop shop for everything ava- for everything and everything was available, I respectfully disagree that the level of gloom and doom about the state of streaming. I contend that there is uh, more great content, more widely, easily, quickly, and democratically available today than any time in film history. Sincerely, Daniel. Um, I've
0: heard this argument before. Mm. I've heard, you make a lot of arguments, and I've heard them
1: before, and
0: I don't, I actually apologize if I came across as being completely anti-streaming. What I don't see is streaming as it is now as the solution to our problems. I think there's a lot to criticize and a lot mm-hmm. we need to be doing better. Um, you made a lot of arguments there. I'm trying to remember uh, mm-hmm. them all. A lot of the movies that you're talking about are being very excited to be on, say, Disney Plus. Uh, those are the
1: ones that were actually pretty readily available anyway. Yeah, um, um, and in, in in the home in in the theatrical days, they were actually re-released pretty frequently and yep. made repertory circuits pretty recently, uh, re- regularly. Uh, in the home video days, they were just constantly in print.
0: Yeah, or at least – or yeah. they had been in print once in video stores, mm-hmm. which were the streaming services of the time. Yeah. Had them, but unlike streaming services, they never had to give them back. Yeah. So they just kept <laughs> renting them like, oh, Disney doesn't make them anymore. Well, my video store has that. And I realized that there is a big difference between everyone has access to whatever Netflix and Amazon has versus if you don't have a good video store in your town, yeah, which, you're kind of shit out of luck. Well,
1: but, that know, if, part sucks. If you're thinking about when there were a lot of video stores, then, yeah, those videos were readily available. But mm-hmm. then – Also, you got to remember, you, you didn't have
0: to buy everything on physical media. You could have also rented it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: That was also a thing. Um,
1: as for the price, uh, a lot of people have been sort of – Trying to uh, price compare, like, how much it costs per month to have numerous streaming services versus how much it would cost a month to buy all the movies you want. Now, unless you're a voracious collector like William and I, Mm. um, you probably only buy a couple movies a year. Mm, Uh, If if you're a a slightly more serious collector, you might buy one a month. And even if you buy one a week, only then are you starting to, like, nose out – uh, the actual cost it would it would require to keep all of these streaming services alive because it's like $8 and you're getting 10 of them. That's $80 a month you're paying. Mm. You can get, you know, and that gives you access to all of these things. Some of them And if you're watching that, a lot of stuff, then that's going to make it worth it. The other thing about
0: streaming services mm. is that I think it makes us content with whatever they have because we're not putting any effort in. Because yeah. we don't have to spend well, money just, to buy a gonna, DVD, yeah. because we don't have to leave the house, whatever they offer is a gimme. mm um, Which is why I think a lot of Netflix originals that are merely okay get treated like a big deal because, ooh, I didn't have to leave my house to see a brand new film mm. when really a lot of them are basically straight to video fare. Some of them are great. I'm not arguing that. But mm. some of them get overblown a bit uh, just because of their ease oh, of availability.
1: And, and uh, yeah, the sort of idea that – the. The streaming service now is the ones that are telling you that they have everything and they have all of these wonderful uh, things. And they do have a lot of wonderful things. I think if you're into obscure horror, Amazon is actually a really wonderful place to go. Yeah, a lot of stuff. So, somehow they can snuck up, up for... on us with all of this like wonderful horror shit, and you can just dive in well, and stay in there for years.
0: And actually one thing, even mm. though Amazon has a lot of practices that I do not support, their, mm. their uh, streaming service is actually – Pretty good and pretty extensive. And one of the things that they allow you to do, and I think Hulu allows you to do this as well, mm-hmm. uh, is you can sign up for multiple services and then access them all through Amazon. So, like, I think you can still do this. They For a while, they took it out. Mm-hmm. You could sign up for Shutter through Amazon. And then without having to go to a different app, oh, there you, you have you. all their content. You mm-hmm. can sign up for HBO Now or HBO Go through Amazon. And then it's all in one place, as I kind of feel it sh- should be. You talk about like how great it is that Disney like put all their stuff out here and you couldn't access it before. Mm. That may or may not be true. My concern is this. The only reason you had trouble accessing it is because Disney didn't want to give it to you before. Mm-hmm. And now that they found a way to monopolize their content like that and not have to filter or share uh, their content or their profits with any other distribution system, they're more comfortable doing it but even then they're not giving you everything and if you look at Disney Plus's offerings past the 1970s which is actually pretty good for a streaming service Mm -hmm. there's a lot less Yeah, they're not giving you everything that they have and it bothers me that they're holding so much back. I realize they're going to to add stuff over time but if it's not on there now they're probably Mm -hmm. not going to go too far out of their way to give you the obscure shit unless there's actually a demand for it. Which they do listen to in all fairness but it should yeah. all be there, I think.
1: And, and there, it's a little odd the way, like, some. And we're just talking about, like, deep cut things, like, obscure things that maybe mainstream audiences uh, might not have heard of, but we're also talking about some really popular stuff. True. What streaming services currently have the Harry Potter movies? I don't think any of them do right now. I think you can, I think you, can you can buy, rent them you can, on, like, yeah, on you, Amazon. You can rent them on Amazon. For there, extra but money, But there's yeah. nothing like it, as part of like a streaming service membership yeah. where you can have access to those things.
0: Yeah, and that happens all the um, time. And because movies move in and out of streaming services, it can be hard to keep track of what is literally unavailable on legal streaming right now. Yeah, yeah. And there's, there's a lot at any given yeah. time. And there's no particular reason to do so. Especially with studios controlling their own streaming services now,
1: Mm. and if if a studio is going to go so far as to control their own streaming service, we as film enthusiasts are concerned that they're shutting the door, deliberately shutting the door on the bulk of their content, uh, deliberately just so they can keep your eyes glued to what's new and what's all has already proven to be profitable.
0: Now, one of the key arguments against that is that's what people want. Well, that's maybe people want, but they don't, haven't seen the other stuff, so they don't know if they
1: want it. Yeah, I was about to say. You know what you want more than anything is the thing you didn't know you wanted, and yeah. uh, that's that's what they should be selling, and that, that's our concern. That's why our. our talk about streaming services tends to run very negative. I understand a lot of people are
0: content or relatively content with streaming services and that there are a lot of people who have access to movies they never had access to Mm. before because of certain streaming services. There are also movies that you're losing access to. That's something that's important to Mm. us. We feel that as critics, it is our responsibility to talk about how things can improve and that Mm. goes beyond the movies themselves and it sometimes goes into ancillary aspects of the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, much as Roger Ebert used to rant and rave when, at any provocation about movie theaters where they dimmed the bulb in the projector, uh, yeah. ostensibly to save money on electricity, even though that's not how that works. So all mm-hmm. you were doing was ruining your presentation for no reason. This is something that Whitney and I feel very strongly yeah. about, where streaming is good. Well, there's a lot of yeah. good things in and- streaming, but there's a lot of downsides, and we need to talk about them. In the hopes that they'll improve. Otherwise, they'll just you know give, you, give us as little as they can get away with.
1: Our, 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 our dear letter writer actually brings up something interesting, though, because we're talking from the perspective of guys in our late 30s and early early 40s mm. who have gone through the music video uh, gauntlet, and we've spent a lot of time in our 20s just sort of voraciously consuming films and teaching ourselves about movies, okay. and we had access to video stores. That was our means. Mm-hmm. Um, with video stores gone... Somebody who is 19 years old or 20 who's always heard about something like secret agent or the prisoner Mm -hmm. and hasn't had access to that because they don't have a video store now they have Amazon. And if they have an Amazon membership, this is their chance to start, start getting their education. All of that is good. And all of that is very good. And mm. that uh, this is essentially what the video story is now. And well, I would
0: our- also like to argue real, real fast but much finished. finish, but uh-huh. um, when it comes to the availability of TV, streaming has definitely helped a lot.
1: Oh, absolutely. Back yeah. in the
0: main home video days, it yeah. was really hard to find an entire series yeah. on home video. And even then, there'd be like three episodes per VHS. It was super expensive. You can streaming get- has helped TV mm. immensely.
1: You can get the shout factor app for free and watch all of Adam 12's right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of Shout Factory
0: yeah. stuff is on 2B TV as well. Yeah, it. yeah.
1: like a, yeah. But Shout Factory has an app and they put out all of their television for free. You can watch like Jerry Anderson stuff for free. And this is like pretty extensive kind of obscure stuff. and yeah. It's just all out there, just available. I didn't know that was and free. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It, oh, yeah. It's... Uh, it, is it like With commercials or something? Or? It's, it's not commercials. It's just that the tech, they haven't spent a lot on the tech, so it's not going to be like quick and easy, like something like Netflix. Mm. So you're going to have to wait a little bit a little for it to load. It's yeah. a little lo-fi. It's, it's not the highest quality, but it's there. Yeah, it's free. Um, Take it. But yeah, our concern isn't for people who are just starting their education. It's for people who want to continue their education. And right. uh,
0: Well, I think we should be concerned about people just starting their education. and yeah. We shouldn't ignore them. Mm-hmm. I just think it's important to tell those people who are starting their education that what you have access to may be great, it, but there's and, also and it, and it is, yeah. But there's a lot more out there,
1: mm.
0: and we don't want you to get complacent. We don't want you to think, oh well, I've seen everything. I've seen all the films in the classic section on Netflix. Great, you've seen twenty movies. Yeah. There's so many more. Mm. There's so many more that Netflix doesn't doesn't want you to have. That isn't out there. That you can't find on Hulu. Amazon has a better classic selection than just about any other streaming service. And even mm. then, there's a lot they don't have. Um, a lot of it isn't curated, so good luck trying to figure out what's actually worth seeing without doing extra research. There's a lot that streaming services that can do to be better and to be more user friendly, uh, not just to people who are big cinema snobs, but even to the casual enthusiasts. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, we're going to keep talking about the things that we want to improve, uh, but by all means, keep defending yeah. it. That's
1: fine. Yeah, I, I respect
0: that. There's we, a we lot of good wanna, we don't want to take
1: o- take away the stuff that's out there. We no. just want to say there's so much more. Yeah. Oh, let's do one more. We have time for one more. One more letter. Okay, here's a letter from Daniel. Hello, gentlemen. I would Hello, like Daniel. to stand up for an overlooked film from twenty eighteen, if I may. Okay. I would like to implore you to watch this movie before you do your best of the decade list, as I think okay. it is at least worth an honorable mention. That movie is Blaze. And it is, in my opinion, one of the best biopics ever made. It wow. chronicles the life and career of the great mar- marginal artist Blaze Foley. The movie does hit a lot of the standard biopic tropes, substance abuse, failing marriage, etc., but also subverts them to agree and chooses to focus most of its energy on the t- on – and time on the relationship between Blaze and his wife Sybil, played brilliantly by Ben Dickey and Alia Shawcat. Uh, Ethan Hawke did an amazing job with the writing and directing, and I would like to know if you two have seen it and what you think. If you haven't, I say again, please watch this movie and tell me what you think. Keep up the good work, Daniel. Did you see Blaze? I did not see Blaze. Ah, shoot. Is, is, uh, did you? No, because uh, ah! uh, uh, it, was, it was one of those many ones that uh, get, get sort of lost in award season. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing great things about it. Uh, I wanted to see a film directed by Ethan Hawke and just didn't get around to seeing Mm -hmm. Blaze. Um, it is tricky though when we
0: do these best of the decade lists. Yeah. No one's seen literally everything. No. There's well, always, we try our best. Yeah. Especially if I find I'm actually writing an article. that's about the best biopics of the decade. Mm. I've seen a vast majority of them, but damn it, I have to say it right now, no. didn't see Blaze. Uh, Maybe it should be on there. If it's so, that, I'm, I'm
1: I feel bad. In that case, I'm going to use this letter to talk about uh, the great movies that get lost in the conversation because they come out during award season. Um, if, and like,
0: especially if they don't get nominated. For yeah, stuff. like yeah. I, I,
1: uh, my my mom just visited for uh, Thanksgiving, and we had a big conversation about Karen Kusama's film *Destroyer*. Oh yeah, with uh, with uh, um, Nicole Kidman. Yeah, and *Destroyer* is a pretty good movie. I thought my mom hated it, but. Uh, uh-huh. But that, that's
0: it's worth seeing. It's I not think Karen it's, best, but there's really good stuff in it. it.
1: It's really kind of a miserable film. I think it's really interesting if you look at it as uh, the Nicole Kidman character is already dead at the start and she's just sort of, her ghost is wandering through all of these scenes. Yeah, you Kind of. Because it is sort of I, about her comeuppance. And, I have a take and, yeah. on that, but it would involve spoilers. So I don't want to tell you. Yeah, yeah. What, but yeah. but you, like when we first see her, she like wakes up in a car. like She's covered in a coat. Well, and she looks and, so and, spectral. And she's really lived hard. She's pale and, and yeah, just looks like, she looks, Dead, so I, I tried to see it through that. Um, Destroyer got a little bit of awards buzz when it first came out. Uh, Nicole, people are talking about Nicole Kidman and Karen Kosama. Oh, these were good performances, good directing job, yeah. Um, but it, it kind of vanished from the conversation after that, didn't I, it? I no, think nobody, nobody didn't nobody's get, mentioned
0: it since she didn't then. get nominated for Best Actress, so yeah. everyone stopped talking about it. Mm-hmm. And every once in a while, I hear it come up, but I have a feeling it's going to be one of those movies that people. Just stop talking about – and then five years from now when Nicole Kidman does something cool or whatever, gets a Lifetime Achievement Award, uh-huh. uh, they're going to bring it up again. You're like, you know, it was an underrated
1: film, Destroyer. Yeah. That's not her best, but it's quite good. It's just it more yeah.
0: conversation. You know?
1: uh, and yeah, like l- – it's not a best picture or nothing. It, was, it wasn't on my top ten list, but it's fine. Yeah. And nobody talks about it because it got lost. I think Blaze is another one of those. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, it happens from time to time, even with films I love. Yeah. That I try to sort of talk a big game about at the end of the year and nobody ever pays attention to them. Uh, another one is Tim Burton's Big Eyes. Yeah. that That's a quite a good uh, that is, biography. That is one of the
0: best biopics of the decade. Easily. yeah
1: about uh, the the Keynes and the scam that mr kane played on his wife who was the talented artist margaret kane painted all these wonderful paintings her dipshit husband took all the credit and all of the money and mm-hmm. and gaslighted her like crazy she thought she was crazy for a little bit uh, And luckily she ended up uh, taking him to trial and painting a painting in court to prove that she was doing the paintings and he couldn't. So she won the case. The inspiration has not struck me. What a fucking asshole. Yeah. Um, And and Christoph Waltz plays that asshole so well. He's amazing. and, And Amy Adams who... Uh, unfortunately, it's like being badgered throughout the entire thing. Well, gives a lot of emotional heft to this very quiet, relatively yeah, quiet she role. She never
0: has like the big moment or the big speech because mm-hmm. that's not her character. And as a result, I think a lot of people didn't notice how amazing mm-hmm. she was. Yeah, she yeah. never called attention to it. Mm-hmm. It's actually I – I would argue it's her best performance in a lot of ways because that's
1: she fine. dares fair, to be
0: yeah. mild. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's that's really, really hard. Ta-
1: talented but mild. And, of course, there's the, the argument is, how good is her art, really? That's that's another conversation. That's, but it's a conversation yeah. the movie has, and I appreciate mm. that.
0: A movie that I am shocked mm. flew under radar. I don't know how. The Other Side of the Wind. Oh, there you go. Went from yeah. being a movie that people have been dying to see for decades uh-huh. to coming out and then being forgotten in a week. Mm-hmm. Orson Welles, his last movie, his last film that he had finished, he had edited some of it, the rest of it was in the can, there's like there's a couple of shots that were missing that they ended up fixing with some voiceover. It works fine. So, uh, it's, not, it's not ideal, but it's fine. Um, they made a fucking amazing motion picture. <laughs> like, it's a really great Orson Welles movie. Yeah, Like, it's far... It's not his best, but it's far from his worst. It's really good. Mm. And... There was a documentary made about it. It was pretty good as well. And just nothing. I thought, I honestly thought that when the Oscars were announced, they would announce one of two things. Uh Uh-huh. Orson Welles for Best Director, mm-hmm. which would have been the coolest thing ever. You never would have won. <laughs> well, how cool would it have been? To have a po- not... posthumous Oscar decades after his death. That dying. would have been amazing. It would have yeah. been respectful and beautiful. And honestly, there's at least a couple of people who were nominated that year who really didn't deserve that nomination. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. When, Two, when did he die? Like 84, 85, 85 86. 85 or 86 oh, mid, mid-80s. Uh, right after Transformers. But uh, <laughs> That's right. And then I was also kind of hoping that there would be, like, a special Academy Award for the people who actually edited this thing together and Mm. made it into a film, finally. Like, I thought, actually, that would have been
1: worthy of note and nothing. Nope. Nobody paid attention because it was lost in awards season. It was. It should never come out in awards season. It never should have come out in awards season. It 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 was a big mistake. I I think it should have gotten like a a high profile indie theater release I in the big cities. I think
0: it should have played. I mean, I I think it played at Sundance or at uh, Cannes. I think it should have played at Sundance.
1: Yeah.
0: I think it should have played. It was in the film originally. It should have played at Sundance. That would have built up the buzz about it. Everyone over there is at a high altitude so everyone's a little eager to pile on on the praise, and uh, it would have built up a lot of buzz, and then when it finally came out in, like, August, mm-hmm. as opposed to November, it would have had a clearer path, more people would have talked about it, and maybe mm-hmm. it would have had a chance. But it's weird for me that this movie that I honestly thought I'd never see, and i have been dying to see, and which mostly lived up to my expectations... yeah. Just didn't get any, didn't get it any slice of the conversation. It's really fucking annoying. And what you're talking about mm-hmm. with this movie, Blaze, which you you saw, you loved, and now you had a platform. And I'm glad we could give it to you mm-hmm. um, to encourage people to see it. I hope it's as good as uh, uh, the letter makes it sound. Uh, that's what film critics do. Mm-hmm. Like a big part of our job isn't just talking about new movies, helping people decide how to spend their money at a multiplex. A big part of our job is keeping old movies that deserve to keep have an audience alive yeah, because I mean. a lot of them just get brushed aside after a while, even if they're brilliant. Mm-hmm. A film critic is responsible for seeing a lot and talking about a lot and reminding you
1: of what's awesome so that and keeping you, you don't forget about A, a certain kind of uh, story of cinema alive, mm-hmm. to, to use a highfalutin phrase. And like it might not seem like a
0: big deal a couple of years after the movie came out when like the memory of it's still fresh. But I was just reading someone on Twitter uh, talking about how they didn't know that Robin Williams starred in a live-action Popeye until he saw it on Netflix. Oh
1: yeah! See there you go. Like, that was a big that's, release that's, that's when it com- came out. That's common knowledge for you know, people our age. Pope- but yeah, there might be nineteen-year-olds who've never heard of Popeye. When Popeye came out in the early '80s, I think, it was, was nineteen eighty. Yeah. yeah, it was a big
0: deal. It was like it was. It wasn't a huge hit, but it was a big mm. production. It was directed by Robert Altman, the director of MASH, for God's sake. But. A lot of younger people aren't being introduced to these things organically because they're not running into them on television, and a lot of streaming services don't have older movies, and so mm. the existence of Popeye mm. can blow someone's goddamn minds, and it's one of the best things people like us can do as we navigate this critical space is to just say, hey –
1: did you know about Popeye? Oh, you got to see Popeye. And then they'll see Popeye. They'll see Popeye great- Popeye's great! Well, we're seeing this happening now, and I'm wondering how our parents must have felt when we're discovering stuff like... You know, El Topo or Racerhead or the Rocky Horror Picture Show, mm. which are technically before our time. A little bit. But, you know, I, like I discovered the Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was in high school. It's like, oh, this is – what is this curious I thing?
0: That's when you're supposed to find the Rocky Horror uh, well, Yeah, well, yeah.
1: you shouldn't see it at a younger age. But uh, <laughs> it's an R-rated film. Uh, <laughs> you see it live, it's more than R-rated. It's, it's double R-rated. Yeah. It's a triple R-rated film uh, if you see it live. But, uh, you know, I, I bring this up to, like, my mom. It's like, "Hey, have you heard of this thing, the Rocky Horror Picture Show?" "Yeah, I've heard of the Rocky Horror Picture Show." <laughs> you heard of this film, 2001 A Space Odyssey? Y- yeah, I've heard of 2001. Let me tell you something about 2001 A Space Odyssey, son. <laughs> and my mom got to tell me this big story about how 2001 A Space Odyssey would play and all the hippies couldn't afford to go in, but they weren't watching the front door during intermission. So during intermission, the, the hippies would drop acid, go inside and watch the Jupiter and Beyond the Infinite sequence, high on acid, laying on the floor in front of the front row because it was a sold-out awesome. crowd. It's like that was their experience. That's a hell of an experience. Sitting man. in the front row with all of these new hippies laying on the floor might have been a little weird. It probably. <laughs> if you were a ticket buying customer. But yeah, generations, you know, they stink up on you. Mm. All
0: of a sudden you realize you're now a generation behind.
1: Yeah. That's, and and that, that happened to us and we're just sort of railing against it. I'm not railing really against it. I actually love it. Okay. I'm actually not railing really against it at all. Oh, no, I have, I've been waiting to be old. I'm well, maybe not old, is what I'm going for, but
0: the mm. idea that, you know, our experience with cinema. Mm is now greater than people, just, just by default, just because we've been alive and we've been doing it for so long, greater than people who are just entering into the space, and we can help them find cool stuff mm. that they don't even know is cool, <laughs> that they don't even know
1: exists, some of this and, stuff. And unfortunately, they're not going to listen to us because we're not cool anymore. <laughs> well, that's the
0: trick. I feel mm. like we should do a better job of, mm. of helping the well-informed be cool. Mm. the well inf- being well informed should be cool, yeah being well read should be cool, provided that you're not using how well read you are in cinema or music or whatever the hell it is uh, as a way to shut people out. Mm. You should be using it as
1: a way to um, invite people in if if you're well read and well and experienced enough then you're not going to do that. Exactly. If you're a little well-read, maybe you will. Or if you're, you're just a jerk. Or, yeah. You, Some people true, are you, just jerks, You us You could just be a dickhead. That's okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's not okay to be a dickhead, but, you know. Yeah. You
0: know, it's, it's your prerogative, I guess. You're, <laughs> you're going to reap the... the <laughs> reap the rewards of that, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we need to get going. But mm-hmm. this has been a really great letters episode. They all are. This yeah. is one of my favorite things we do. Um, thank you, everybody, who wrote in. You had really interesting, great letters. Uh, I hope everybody uh, had a good time listening to it. Yeah. Uh, if you want to email us yourself and hopefully get your email read on the air and responded to on the air, uh, it's letters at criticallyacclaimed.net. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter for more, like, short. Requests and concerns. <laughs> I get a lot of people asking me like, hey, what should I watch tonight? I'm like, I don't know. What do you got? Okay. Yeah. But uh, we're on Twitter. We're at, we're at Critic Acclaim. I am at William Bibiani. I'm at Whitney Seibold. Um, if you want to see me do trivia, <laughs> uh, there are live streams available for the movie trivia Showdown Spectacular going on this Saturday. Oh,
1: there you go.
0: Which I will be competing with Ben the Boss, Bateman, and fingers crossed, because we're still in it, uh, my team Shazam might be competing for the team tournament as well. Okay. And if I beat Ben, I'll be competing against Paul Oyama for the singles championship. It's kind of a big fucking
1: deal. <laughs> I'm no actually thing, really excited yeah, about super it. Super fingers crossed, then.
0: Um, so uh, so that's going on over there. Uh, also, uh, over at our Patreon page, patreon.com slash critically acclaimed network, uh, we have a new episode of all our Yesterdays, our Star Trek podcast. We're also putting up a new poll uh, for our monthly podcast, The Iron List, in which our Patreon subscribers pick a topic. And Whitney and I present mm. our top ten films in that topic. Mm. Uh, he picks two options. I pick two options. And the four nominees this month mm. for December, uh, you can pick. We can. We'll do a top ten list of one of these: Christmas movies, mm. war movies, Spielberg movies, or biopics.
1: Mm.
0: Those are. That's a lot. Those are all big, <laughs> heavy topics, uh, and we'd be very excited to do any of them. Mm. Uh, but you, okay, the only way to vote is by uh, being on our Patreon account, and $1 allows you to vote in all of our polls. $1 a month, that's it. Uh, more than that, you get bonus podcasts. So by all means, check it out. Um, am I forgetting anything?
1: Um, no, I think that's it. Cool beans. You, you can still buy my radio show. <laughs> Yeah, we radio show. Got a radio show, get a radio show. Get it for uh, the, Christmas. The tenth Muse is still for sale, and uh, if all goes well, probably won't. But if all goes well, mm. I'll have one in time. Another one in time for Christmas. I'm very excited. Is right. it a Christmassy one? It's not a Christmassy one.
0: Boo! Sorry. Put a wreath on the
1: cover. No. Damn it! (laughs) It, It'll make a good Christmas present, but uh, no, it's not a Christmas show. Fair enough.
0: Um, So everybody, thank you very much, especially everyone who wrote in, especially to all of our Patreon subscribers, but to everybody who listens, thank you, thank you, thank you. We couldn't do this without you. We hope Mm. you have a great week. Sincerely yours, Bibbs and Whitney.